Thomas. Rachel, what are you doing? I'm here to help you. Help me how? First, put down the plate. Drink this. What is that? Vodka. Um, does mom know that you're here? Because it's probably past 10. Don't worry about it. Just start from the beginning and tell us what happened. Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. And also today we have Chris and Molly from And Introducing. What's Hello. up? Oh, we should have <laughs> the same, same thing to say. Should we say what's up or have a what's up? One, okay. two, three. What's Hello. up? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> this is the improv comedy. So he's got that like button Dang. where he, you know, ugh. He says the wrong thing well, on you, purpose for look, the last audio producer standpoint. We should say different things. so You can just differentiate our voices and tell who is, is who. Otherwise mm. you wouldn't be able to tell. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to tell. I'd know. never know. Yes. <laughs> That's what they're always saying. All yep. white podcasters sound the same. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is the show about movies that doesn't take itself too seriously and uh this is the final episode of the twee thousands that's right it's um, 2009 nine. and um, it's uh uh it's 500 days of summer it's no longer gonna be the twee thousands anymore it's no longer gonna be the twee thousands we're now moving firmly into the obama age mm-hmm. uh 2009 is the year after it's he's taken office and and this is like the first year of obama and suddenly the Twee Thousands is just over. They're over. <laughs> Although, and we can get into this. We were clocking when we were watching this movie last night how much this is that you can tell this was definitely written immediately pre the recession. Uh huh. Yes. Is boom time. How do you mean? You could just move to uh, L.A. from a random town in Michigan with oh, a yeah. se- with a secretary job. Yeah, or, that, yeah. that job would have been. <laughs> or, or you could potentially like study and train to be an architect. And just like decide you you didn't cut it, and then just like walk into a greeting card company and be like, "I'm gonna do yeah. this now," and it's yeah. like totally fine. As opposed to somebody who like is showing up there being like, "Okay, so I studied English at uh, Barnard, uh, and then I had an internship <laughs> at the uh, the writing the, the writing company of blah blah blah, and then from there yeah. I had you know like the, I did the three job years of McKinsey. Like, yeah. It did sound like you I were gonna say you did. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not like you were going to say they had an internship at Rite Aid. Yeah, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. The fa- I would love to do that. <laughs> well, the, you, I learned from the experience of reading so many gre- greeting cards at my internship at Rite Aid about how to be passionate about it. Like, like the idea that this job would just be something you like kind of, sh- oh, I'll write, just write yeah. greeting cards as opposed to like yeah. every job being like, oh, my God, if I don't write these greeting cards, I'm going to like default on my eighty thousand dollars in student loans you know like just little things like that the bloated economy of the creative class that has since been murdered and i don't think has actually come back yet yeah i also like the absolute lack of cell phones which people owned yes they're just like it was still like it was still uh like kind of gauche to include them in film yeah it was like everyone knows they exist but like we don't want people to look at our movie and be like oh it's the 
2009. Yeah. Because yeah. they have a, everyone has a razor. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just before, like, there probably are iPhones at this point, but it's just before it's beginning to become, mm-hmm. like, you have to ubiquitous. Have yeah. I think people still were really into Blackberries at this point. Totally. And Palm Pilots. Yeah. People had Palm Ones. Mm. I, I had a Nokia Flipper uh, at least <laughs> until midway to 2009. I think I got my first iPhone as a gift when I graduated college in 2009, or maybe I bought, I think I bought it myself. When I, I got my first iPhone in 2012. Same. When the world ended. <laughs> <laughs> when that didn't happen, you were like, well, I guess I should update uh, my iPhone technology finally. If I'm going to interface Damn, I with guess like, I'm, uh, I guess I'm going to finally get into Angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm, I have become a fruit ninja. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, I think I got a I got a some sort of Samsung in like 2011 or something, but they didn't. They were pretending like they don't exist still. That was a really f- weird era, right at the end of that decade, where they're just yeah. like, yeah, we're not. We're, we're gonna. We wrote a bunch of stuff that didn't really rely on that, and so they're gonna like sleep in their bed and be like. I wish I could call them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I Looking wish I could directly s- at my landline, waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somehow contact them. Um, so yeah, but we're not going to talk about the movie quite yet. Although we already have. Although we already have begun. <laughs> uh, but th- talking about iPhones and iPods uh, will will help us get into why you're here, which is to help us navigate and commentate on something we've sort of sorely overlooked. I mean, or just like under talked about. Under talked about. Because it comes into every one of these movies, but it's the music of the decade. And specifically around these 2000s movies, we constantly are talking about the soundtracks of these movies and how big a part of the, I mean, the point of these movies in some ways is the soundtrack, right? right? Like you have constant needle drops in every one of these. You have constant call outs of the music that is happening around them, like, you have Zach Braff saying, listen to the shins. It'll change your life. You oh. have Jason Bateman saying, listen to Sonic Youth. It'll change your life. <laughs> you know, like the, the these are so firmly sewn into these scripts. And uh, and it's interesting because it, it felt and, and maybe you guys can can talk about this a little bit like the it felt a lot of times in the 2000s. Like there was this sort of cultural lockstep between like music and film and television and like the critic class. Yeah. Right. And everybody, for, like, one glorious decade, like, everybody liked the same music. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I always felt like the, the thing with new metal and, and grunge and punk and, and, and all these different musical things that had come before it was that, like, critics overall were like, uh, this shit is stupid and not cool. And uh, kids liked it. And, you know, people liked it. But critics thought it was kind of stupid. Yeah, the new metal was the really disliked stuff. And then I guess that was stuff like certain types of rap that yeah. was beginning to become popular. Uh, like maybe um, Cisco. And, and, uh, <laughs> uh, like, par- like party rap? Like party rap. That was not as much about like the, the 90s, like the rap that people were afraid of when Ice Cube used to rap about killing people. It was about like, Looking nice and going to the club and Rhyming. spending a lot of money on cars and stuff. Rhyming party right. mm-hmm. with Bacardi. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Ti. Yes. Uh, oh yeah. People. People weren't like 
yes, this is great. And also, Ludacris was really underrated at the time. Oh yeah, uh, for making extreme bangers. Yeah, uh, but yeah, but but in terms of like rock music, you're right. It, yeah. it just felt like, I guess I, there I was totally, like, yeah, I totally get ahead. what you're uh, you're you're playing at because you know, nine eleven killed new metal because it was no longer cool to be angry. Uh, <laughs> as we as we have as we have gone over on on our show, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. then at that same time, there was this like indie rock revival uh, going on that was cool and detached in a way that was both popular and critically appreciated. And then it was like, I, 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 I interpreting what you're, what you're saying is like, yes, this general sigh of like critical commercial relief of being like, ah, finally a nice clean stylistic form of indie rock that is both cool and genuine, generally popular that we can mm-hmm. like all get behind and put in iPod commercials, but that people seem to genuinely like that isn't yeah. this angry, abrasive, weird thing where it's white guys with dreadlocks who also have turntables with just drop, <laughs> drop tuning tuned bass. No, 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 no. Thank you. Let's no get, funk yeah. music. Yeah. Let's no get goth funk. Guys wearing ties, <laughs> looking nice, playing uh, classy indie rock about doing yeah. the expensive kind of drugs. Semi yeah. semi hollow body coke music. Yes. <laughs> yes. And and it and it and it harkens back to older music. Yes, that, and like, then we the can parents re- can get into too. Yeah, we can reincorporate the the indie college rock from the eighties that it, that like never performed at the time. But hey, maybe we can repackage some of those our bank of your life bands now as like, you know what? These weren't these kind of eternally cool? Like you guys you guys all love this, right? There yeah, you loved television. There was a really good, I'm unfortunately not going to be able to call out the author of it, but in the like kind of dork, hipster dork journal N plus one a few years ago, there was a kind of like retrospective piece about Pitchfork and Pitchfork's influence on music. And one of the Mm -hmm. main points of it that really kind of stabbed a a knife in my tummy and twisted it around because like I was a big (laughs) fan of all this kind of music because I was a, a teenager and I was like, yeah, this is kind of soft, soft, but, uh, but interesting, uh, was that, you know, people responded to the Iraq war by like getting together, like children's choirs and ukuleles and, um, chimes. And, uh, uh, what's the thing where you hit a mallet, you know, we respond with this really intense, really dark energy from the war with like (laughs) childlike music. And I was like, yeah. and that's, you know, Kimya Dawson, not, I'm, I'm not a moldy peaches hater by any means, but like Kimya Dawson's music in Juno is totally that, uh, mm-hmm. fucking Feist. Uh, I, again, I love that first, that first Feist album. Uh, but that was in 500 days. Of Summer. It's just kind of one. this like cute, cute, soft, uh, gentle childlike music. Yeah. That whole twee wave, yeah. things like mates of state, even though there are mates uh-huh. of state songs that rock, it's just like, it, there's like a, a gentleness to Regret- it. But Regression. He, well, but so, even like Arcade Fire was like their whole thing was like we are children who lost our parents in a fire. Yeah. Like I feel like people forget that there was like this weird lore behind it at yep. first and then mm-hmm. it was like what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> also I, you're Canadian. So as as secretly Canadian. As, mm-hmm. as, as an exercise coming into this, I um I put together this playlist this morning of and and it'll be in the description of this or whatever but it's uh it's kind of just like all of what i could remember of the 2000s basically of like from the strokes and white stripes in 2001 on to 2009 when when this movie happens and like what i saw is kind of like the charting of of how this move i guess movement it's not really a genre right the indie rock thing 
how how it kind of changed. And one of the things that I found really interesting is, well, first of all, that there's sort of like a fork in the road right at the beginning, right? And it's between what we're describing now as this sort of gentle, childish indie that also kind of starts to become a bit like bookish mm. a little later on. Yeah. Uh, and it starts to be very like smart and like, you know, being like uh, like the Decemberists and Vampire Weekend and very extremely like we're in college yeah. sort of shit. Uh, <laughs> the books. It's the, and the, and books, the books, yeah. of course. <laughs> and uh, then there's this other strain of it that like kind of seems to die about mid 2000s, which is what will now be called uh, indie sleaze. Mm-hmm. Right. Which at the time, I think we just called like cool Brooklyn stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, Which it was didn't like... have a unifying umbrella term at the time. I, I, It is kind of freeing to be like, yeah, we could call that indie sleaze. A lot fits under sure. that, like, uh, that banner now. Yeah. I just feel like it was, I, 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 that word has become like just default. Like I, there's no point in arguing with it, but I do dislike it only because they just don't seem cool enough to be sleazy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sometimes. Like, I don't know. A lot of those songs of that, of, of the bands that we're talking about, right? Like a lot of those are about just like doing coke and having sex and yeah, but that, that's and not shit. that. That's just like, no, that's just like being normal. I get like, it doesn't seem <laughs> well, like, but it's like, I guess it's, it's, it's not it's, like we're down on the docks playing dice. No, you no, know no, what I mean? We're seeing, it's we're, like, <laughs> we're seeing it in comparison to like, you know, the, the, the to the child, to the, the Decemberists yeah. being like, you know, what if I was in the 17th century and I, was, <laughs> I had a fair maiden on my boat? There's actually probably more dice playing down by the docks in a Decemberist song. That's true. Than, than yeah. Yeah. The real sleeves. The idea of calling like waking up at noon and getting a Starbucks coffee after a Coke bender is like not really that sleazy to me. It just seems like, oh wow, I have to pay my student loan. It's just a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it is uh, chartered against an up and coming millennial generation, which, uh, as uh, you know, has been pointed out many times by by our friend and also music uh, critic Matthew Perpetua. Millennials in general, very bookish generation, uh, mm-hmm. very uh, you know, lots of in, learning into process, into doing the right thing on tracks. You know, it's a, there's a reason that Harry very, Potter very was up. the uh, the breakout <laughs> like literary thing of the millennials. And so when yeah. you take a bunch of people who are like. My main point in life is to go to college and get a uh, the job that I study for. The cobra snake, a snake aesthetic of like a dirty concrete box covered in like the goo of you know cake remnants from a Steve Aoki party and like <laughs> PBR smeared on the ground and like drugs probably like the you know at the time Maybe. there was a certain <laughs> especially also because you know we're talking about hip hop too is like the overarching hip hop aesthetic at that time on the other side the like pop music was like the club that is nice and you are dressed in a suit and you are spending a lot of yeah, money sure. and yeah. you are getting your car that is a very expensive valet you know like yeah. that is the your, your outfit is white and immaculate yeah exactly <laughs> so, like, uh, you know it, it's not the same sleaze as like a 70s new york where everybody's like shooting up in the back of maxes but it is like there was a sleaze to it you know yeah it yeah. was sticky the, 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 it's yeah. Danny Brown's. It's leads. sticky. Yes, it's 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 sticky. It's having sex in the bathroom at Mars Bar. That's yeah, exactly. what yeah. the indie sleaze. <laughs> Listening to Kim Rose. Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, that's exactly yeah indie stickiness. But uh, the, the thing that I found interesting when thinking about it today was the way that it sort of charts a bit to these movies too, right? Where like you kind of in the early end of the of of the decade we have. I guess like the kind of the two pillars of these proto uh, uh, twee thousands movies would be um, Royal Tenenbaums versus Lost in Translation. And Lost in Translation, I feel, has sort of an indie sleazeness to yeah. it, right? Where it does have like the opening shot is Scarlett Johansson's ass, you know? Mm-hmm. And like there is sort of like a drunk sort of partiness to it. Whereas uh, Royal Tenenbaums is, you know, that's just that's book shit. That's yeah. very book shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so oh, out of it. these like soundtracks, like which ones were important? Do you remember being important to you? We're talking Royal Tenenbaums, Garden State, Five Hundred Days, uh, Juno. Juno. Did any of them like hit home? Were, were they on your uh, uploaded on your iPod? Garden State, hundred percent, especially. I was given a burned copy of garden state from my first ever like real boyfriend. So like, Oh yeah. It, Cause you know, I, I feel like the, the compilation of these soundtracks at this time was very mixtape. Yes. Like it was mm-hmm. like uh, the music supervisor was making you a little mixtape. And then, uh, you know, that, that then got passed on socially. Like it, the social disease of Natalie Portman uh, bugging <laughs> Zach Braff to listen to the shins. That's what then basically created that social mode in real time of like teenagers across America, because it mm-hmm. made, you know, this, this young man in my, uh, that I was in band class with uh, <laughs> allowed him to force a CD on me and say, you need to listen to this. And you know what? He was right. And it was, I don't know. None of those songs slap. That's that's the main thing I think now. I'm like, yeah. uh, Nick Drake doesn't slap. Uh, but at the time, it really it was meaning. Songs needed to be like meaningful. You didn't you didn't just. It was the pleasure of discovery and of transfer transference. Uh, so that that kind of conferred songs and their meaning. So to put a long story short, Garden State was not just a soundtrack. It was it was a mixtape for me. It was a way of life. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember what? Uh, what did the like? So he burnt you a copy of it. Mm-hmm. Did he like do anything fun with the, with the, the cover? Or I think there was Sharpie. I think it was Sharpie writing directly on the CD in future, uh-huh. and that that was also kind of like the test, the test pressing, and then future ones. He like went a little bit more ham. This, by the way, this is a a young man who eventually kissed another girl during spring break of the same year. And then made two mixed CDs for me. One was if I decided to stay with him, and one was if I decided to break up with him. And, and he, he gave you that. both. And no, and then I, I was like, "We're done, dude." And he gave me the breakup one. And I was like, "Honestly, oh. this is kind of a flex. Like, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, you're, I'm so mad at you, but like, this is, it's really, it's like a sophomore. Did he show you both? Thing. Like, how did this work? Was it like a red pill, blue pill sort of thing? I think I believe the promise <laughs> was that they were both in his backpack, and then uh-huh. he pulled one out. <laughs> this is the type of thing that meant, I mean, we'll talk about this when we get to 500 days, but like the Joseph Gordon-Levitt character, like this soft boy, this sort of malevolent soft boy, like that was a real guy. And people oh, yeah. decided so, to be absolutely. like that guy. 
I'm I mean, so jealous that you got broken up with by a Mass Effect character. <laughs> <laughs> That's song, fucking insane. The first song on that on that CD, by the way, was uh, brand new. The boy who blocked his own shot. Oh my god! Mm. Holy oh god. shit! <laughs> it's, a, it's a miracle. I made it. I made it out of high school alive. Wow. It makes you less sad. I'll die by your hand. Yeah. I I mean I asked you about the the cover of the CD because I definitely was that guy too. I was I was making all sorts of mix CDs for girls. Yeah, I loved a- making mix CDs for my friends. Uh, it was a great time. I yeah. we used to get really complicated with it and like tell little stories with the oh with yeah the titles and yeah. Stuff. I mean I had a great time making this this playlist today. Even though I don't like a lot of the music on it, I still had a what? great time like trying to like show this sort of progression and whatever. You don't like this music? This no, like- I mean I like I like a good chunk of it, but not all of it. Okay, some of it's yeah, just no, in there for either. plot purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sometimes the you need a little musical exposition. Exactly. I don't mm. like the killers, but I put the i put the somebody told me on there You're that's crazy. a significant song <laughs> <laughs> i'm still tired of that song yeah no they have better songs their second album is better um Sam's chris town. what about you did you have one of the one of the soundtracks yeah i well uh, first of all the garden state one uh i remember watching that movie and when he says this listen to this song this will kill, uh, change your life this is, it was the first time i was hearing the shins in it w- was in that movie and he uh-huh. puts the and I was like he's like this song will change your life and he puts the headphones on and I'm like are you fucking kidding me this will change your life <laughs> uh, if you do you have the brain of a three year old then I went and and then of course incidentally I like heard the shins through that they became you know wildly popular through that soundtrack and I was like this sucks this ain't for me that so no to that one I. Honestly, <laughs> It's because it doesn't slap. Chris, Chris it doesn't wants, slap. Chris wants Natalie Portman to hand him the headphones, and it, it's it LCD dusts. sound system. Yeah, crass version. Yes, the or, last or like, three minutes of it. It's, 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 it's a light dust that, yeah. that it does. <laughs> wow, I have not thought of the Fratellis. The Fratellis. It's probably the Royal Tenenbaums one, which I did have, and because it's a combination of the like. The seventies, his like seventies punk pulls with the Nico these days and Ferris of Seasons, and mm-hmm. before I even knew it, the Mark Mothersbaugh interpolations of yeah. like Hey Jude and stuff from his Mutato Musica Orchestra yeah. uh, that I was really into. So that that one meant a lot. None of these other ones though I really got into, but I definitely. I understood it to yes be like this is the movie trying to flex a certain muscle that it has to be to be like not only do we have a movie but we have a whole gestalt because the movie itself is a mixtape and i yeah. was like all right you know kind of impressed me but all of these leaned into like soft songs i didn't, I didn't care i wanted something that could <laughs> yeah you didn't like me. the soft songs yeah i mean speaking of like like i was talking about earlier the locksteppiness of this all right i was realizing today that when garden state came out those shin songs were only two years old yeah yeah that's crazy. Like what? The it's fuck? kind of like I think that was surfing like, the shins. Yeah, exactly. It it feels like these were all part of like a a, a marketing funnel. No, you know? I mean, if I, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure that 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 Garden State made the shins. I yeah, feel, for sure. For sure. Right. Yeah. I think that Zach Braff was. It really was. God damn it! I hate that movie too. My I re- still remember trying to describe that movie to my my buddies of being like, it, that movie is like. 
Zach Braff trying to get a blowjob from you. Of being like, <laughs> I wrote the movie as he like unzips his pants. I directed the movie as he takes his dick out, and I starred in the movie as he like places your your head in front. Of I him. also I also <laughs> made the soundtrack. I, yeah, I, and it's I all set, and I arranged all my songs as he like puts his hands behind his head. <laughs> yeah, I wrote you. them. I'm in movie. the shins. Actually, this is a joke I remember telling in 2005. Well, that's is a very 2005. <laughs> level joke for me Garden State, I, I get his ass that's, not, that's, not a, that's not an insult per se you know that's, that's what people oh, again about. i'm going back into the archives here like, uh, i i stand garden State, i watched garden state when it came out and i was like a freshman in high school and i feel like i didn't quite like get it like you know it was adult life that i didn't understand and then i actually just watched it a few months ago and i was like oh yeah when you do ssris ecstasy doesn't work on you <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was my takeaway as an adult i was like oh right the the receptors get blocked anyway it, it yeah, wins for that alone up. yeah <laughs> but yes i understand uh, did you have any of these any of the soundtracks yeah i definitely had the garden state soundtrack um i liked it i told i told the story on the episode i think i liked it until i heard somebody in the line for a mates of state show say like of somebody off screen uh, <laughs> said of her, ugh, she likes the Garden State soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I overheard that and I was like, I don't like that anymore. <laughs> you know, as we were, <laughs> you know, as we were, as we were preparing for this, this episode, I started to realize I didn't have any of these. Really? And I didn't have any because I'm realizing that like this decade is very bifurcated uh, between me meeting the guys who like before i met the guys who introduced me to the stooges Mm -hmm. and after Mm -hmm. and like that that was like 2004 or five so and right before that my taste was very different which was like the 2001 two three four like i watched some of these movies but i like like the matrix soundtrack and like the spider-man soundtrack Mm -hmm. like i was interested in like heavy metal like i i listened to you know deftones and corn and i was you know a little mall goth kid yeah i liked marilyn manson i didn't like really get this stuff yeah and then like when i met the guys who became my best friends in high school and then like later in college like then i was like well i'm too cool now mm-hmm. very clearly to listen to like people aping the stooges or <laughs> you know like i i thought of like the strokes as like wimp limp dick shit because it's like <laughs> this you know there was all this old 70s cool punk that was cooler and then there was like then there was the sad music and i like the sad music so i like liked songs off of like garden state soundtrack but i was like i never was like into one of the soundtracks mm. yeah Cause I'm, cause I was weird and annoying. <laughs> cool. and I, no, I was the opposite of cool. I just like, I, I had so many like weird things where I was like, this is like not right. Like yeah. I had such like autistic specific things I had to have in a, in it's a interesting. I also definitely had a lot of that tendency to be like, to, 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 to be like, people like this. So I don't like it. Sure. But for whatever reason, <laughs> like this, like the indie rock thing for like the first half of this decade at least was just like a big part of my life i really liked all of it yeah me too <laughs> yeah learning i mean that's what that was like learning how to learn about music and learning how to like music was keeping up with this stuff and the uh, especially like 
2001 to 2005 is really me like that's in me in high school that's me training myself to like keep up with what is going on in current music then i go Mm -hmm. off to college in 2005 and start working for the radio station where the cool thing to like was like melt banana and then i I was like okay (laughs) well now i have to learn about like every band that ever existed Uh, yeah and um you know all the anything that would be like hype up on the on the soundtrack to a zach braff movie no that's loser shit uh, yes. you know, I, I need to get really into like Mersbow and the Dead Sea uh, right. now. I am uh, into KO dot now. <laughs> so so yeah, that, and so that the importance of that stuff fell off. But yeah, like the, the I, but I was speaking to the significance of it because it's like the the Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack. I knew that one because I had a buddy in high school who would do stuff like get Entertainment Weekly, and it would be an Entertainment Weekly episode that's like the fifty best movie soundtracks of all time, and then he would go to the Cincinnati Public Library and rent every single CD on that list and burn them all to copies and put uh-huh. them in his big CD library. And then we just drive around listening to the 50 best movie soundtracks of all time, whether they were like Pulp <laughs> Fiction or the Royal Tenenbaums or like, they said this one's number 27. It's McCabe and Mrs. Miller's. Listen to that or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like different ways that this stuff comes at you. But I mean, I guess what we're all getting at is that for a certain segment of people, the movie music to movies like this was a certain, you know, if you're thinking about the bell curve of coolness, it, it was like the, 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 the mid thirties to forties, like just below the top ubiquity of what is the most popular things, but a signifier mm-hmm. of like a certain level of in the know coolness that was in, you know, I, I don't know, like the, 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 you know, seven the, I, my, trying to make this a percentage of things that we're, but you know, like the 60 to 90 percent. <laughs> Just imagine a bell. Coolness. Yeah. Yeah. It's not imagine like the very top stuff, but could. like right under that, the hip, <laughs> the, the, the pop of the hip indies, you know? Yes. Uh-huh. Right. That's, and that's, that's interesting how it was sort of, I don't know, sort of this like manufactured hippie movement. Yeah. Where yeah. It was like, it's like, it's all kind of under this umbrella of like cool. Mm-hmm. And, you can read Paste Magazine and find yeah. out how to be cool. Yeah, yes. cool is such a big part of this, right? Because it's like, I was thinking about it today as like, this is this era is like the quote coolest that music ever gets, kind of. Where it's like, mm. not it's not actually cool in like a broad sense of like, you know, it's, it's the most significance that music ever gets or whatever bullshit boomers say about classic rock. But rather, like, <laughs> this is the most that I feel the mainstream... Um, entertainment industry has ever been able to manufacture the idea of cool and make people feel cool where you were able to like these are all very accessible things you know these movies were in your regular movie theater you know like the music was available at best buy like you could get all this stuff very easily towards the end absolutely even at the beginning i mean like the strokes the first strokes album is like one of the coolest albums and and it's on a mainstream major label, it gets a ton of buzz coming out. Like everybody knows about it. Like, yeah, the but yeah, somehow yeah, yeah, you too. you knowing about it, you get to feel cool because it's like slightly less popular than like um you know Nickelback, what, Nickelback, or, yeah, whatever the big thing of the day would yeah. have been. I don't remember, but three doors down, Sugar Ray. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sugar Ray is experiencing kind of a Gen Z TikTok renaissance, so gird your loins. Dude, I love Sugar Ray. I, I, for you, I Mark. love Sugar Ray, yeah. I Tur- love turntables. Bring, bring the turntables back everywhere. Every I love those, like, the, the first three records, or the ones, the two right after the Fly record are great. Uh, um, ju- but just as we're talking about this, it is funny to think about an era that, not that long ago, this movie came out 13 years ago. The idea of a subgenre genre of sappy romantic movies about people in their 20s driving a genre of music <laughs> and it's like and its relative popularity in the culture seems unfathomable right now you well, know now because yeah. all culture is either made for like babies or boomers no one uh-huh. no one gets like no one gets their romantic drama yeah or it, it's very niche and like people are watching like korean versions of uh, 500 days of summer yeah. basically yeah and 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 the pro- proliferation of music at this stage is like so minuscule like it's it's so micro targeted to the people who are interested in it like the idea of putting like i mean what would the equivalent of it be today like a two year ago album would be like a like uh 100 gex right so yeah. like like if you put like money machine into a movie today <laughs> there's like maybe like one percent of the people seeing the movie would be like money machine and then the rest of the people would be like what the fuck is happening yeah. <laughs> did they make this for the movie what's happening oh, see now i want somebody to make the the meme of listening to the song it'll change your life and it's money machine oh man we did one i fucking um, hate that band i think like the first or second episode of album or somebody did it for um th- they had him put the headphones on and it's a uh, uh corn twist oh hell yeah very funny i see i'm trying to come up with like a, a, a reference of even like what kind of movie coming out today could like possibly generate a like soundtrack that was a blockbuster in the same way that Garden States was or this whole, whole genre because you know again Royal Tenenbaum soundtrack that was that was a hit this, I'm sure that uh, this soundtrack the Life the Aquatic days, one was an even bigger one uh, yeah like, yeah like I'm sure like this soundtrack moved moved units but there what Paper Towns which the writer of this also wrote but even that movie's like. Six that's, years old or something. Old, yeah. Like uh, I feel like I could imagine like something like everything everywhere all at once. Like, yes. Oh yeah. Even though yes. it didn't have like a big soundtrack, but like or, or even like particularly unique music in it. But I feel like that's the kind of movie that you would have to do something like this in. But there isn't like a nascent scene that you can like tap into in the same way that these mm-hmm. movies were. Yeah, and there right, isn't well, like a... the repeatable genre of like every eighteen months. There's going to be a a a indie movie that comes out about young people romance in a ostentatiously quirky way that is going to make that a splash enough to be a considered a big hit and will have an attended soundtrack to it. It's like, you're, yeah, you're not going to make a, 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 a repeat everything everywhere all at once. Like, yeah, every 18 months for a whole decade and every single one yeah. is going to have, yeah, like an, a hundred, like a, a a soundtrack album that's full of like a hundred gecks and whatever yeah. else is hip hip right now. I, I feel I feel funny. like what was what was very specific about the 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 twee thousands was that uh, the scene was very aware of coolness in mm-hmm. a way that had hadn't really been before because you had like sixties and seventies were sort of like people were just doing trying to invent new stuff and then the 80s was like all reaction and like 
you know, goth was formed and then there was punk and like the, 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 up until the nineties, like you didn't really have mainstream culture trying to draw from like subcultures in the same way. So like the twee thousands is the first time where they're like, look, kids making fun music. And then like, the only path to success was getting into magazines yeah, yeah. and getting on. That wasn't like radio was kind of dying anyway. And, and it, like the only shit that was on radio was just butt rock. Like the coolest thing to be in was indie movies. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. The, it was like be on MTV still be in indie movies. Yeah. That was just butt rock and, and new metal. Yeah. Like I don't know how it was in y'all's local like music uh, ecosystems or whatever. But like, I remember like the big push of the strokes, the hives, the vines, the white stripes all yeah. at once. And yeah. they're all on the radio. Mm-hmm. Like modern rock radio would be playing them. And then like after that, all indie rock was not on the radio. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I sometimes listen to alt radio now uh, because I like to sometimes not decide what music to listen to. And they're still yeah. playing the exact same shit as they did in like That's 2004. So it's cl- and it's, cl- they like call it classic rock. Now, yeah. Kind of. Occasionally they will toss in that glass animal song, heat waves from like 2020. <laughs> heat waves, <laughs> but other than that, like they are still playing brain stew. Like yeah. nothing has changed. It's, it's right. kind of nuts. Yeah. There's no, there's there no, is no more anymore. rock. Me- yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. The rock music is all like, it's all either Imagine Dragons or um, uh, what are they called? The Greta 21 Van Pilots. Fleet. Twenty One Pilots. Well, Twenty One Pilots Greta is Van doing Fleet. the Greta Van Fleet. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Is like uh, so, like Twenty One Pilots is sort of in that same sort of Imagine Dragons space of like this sort of you know. Yeah, except Twenty One Pilots are actually uh, good. Are they? I have no idea. Uh, I don't know about that, but I'll, uh, I'll, I like Twenty One Pilots. They speak to you me. You need I, to send I, me a couple songs. It, but they—it it might be my uh, my innate Ohio connection to them. <laughs> I know where I know where the I spiritually know where you're coming from. <laughs> they're but they're also like a big like stadium sort of sound type yes. thing like Imagine Dragons, right? They're like Coldplay. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's all either like this this stadium sound or it's th- like you know, trying to trick the algorithm into thinking that you're classic rock. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, which now includes back, uh, Blink-182 and Green yes. Day. Uh-huh. Yes. It's great. Super weird. I love it. Um, <laughs> so I think the last thing to, to, to talk about this on before we get into the movie, and I think it actually transitions nicely into the movie, is as part of this playlist making process, I also found this very interesting dip that happens like after 2006 where um you know bush gets reelected in in 2004 2005 everything is angry and political and then six and seven all the music gets really dreary and really sad <laughs> and, like <laughs> all of the indie rock is just all about just like bleak no future shit and then 2008 out of nowhere is vampire weekend and then the rest of the decade is just like Everything is great. Party rock, baby. Party, party rock takes control. Let's go. It really it becomes party rock. It all party becomes rock is party in the rock. house tonight. Yes. When does LMFAO come out? That's not. I that's believe, like 2012, right? 2008 was their the like first EP, album. and then I think uh, 2011 was like their main. That's the um, party rock anthem. That's all the ones that you know, right? Yeah. The, what's on their EP? Uh, shots. Shots, and then I think I think the I'm in Miami bitch song was on the EP. I mean, they came. Okay. 
I've I know, I've, I've dealt but 2011 was truly the year of party. That rock. was the peak. Yeah. That was the peak of LMFAO, and then they were in the Super Bowl um, performance with Madonna in 2012, and then they apologized Damn. for party rocking, and then they disappeared yeah. forever. <laughs> L- L- uh, 2009 is LMFAO's party rock, and 2011 is sorry for party rocking. And yeah, part, sorry for party rocking has party rock anthem and uh, sexy, and you know it. But I think wow. I do, I have kind of a pop explanation for your observation of this like mood shift sure. post 2006. We read this book uh, for our podcast and introducing a podcast about words about music called, oh my God, is it called The Song Machine or The Hit Factory? It's either called The Song hit, Machine, song factory. The, song, the Song Machine, colon The Hit Factory, <laughs> or The Hit Factory, colon The Song Machine. It's by, uh, John, it's by John Seabrook. He's written a bunch for The New Yorker. Um, it's a really yeah. good book. If I titled it, I would have picked like a slightly different um, post colon title, but that's just me. one or the other, probably. Yeah. It, it, is he, the song mach- it is the song machine inside the hit inside factory. the hit factory. 100%. I'm like it those really are, could have been either one. Yeah. Those are the same to me. It's the same picture. But he talks about this kind of cycle of so- of pop songs, like radio radio pop songs, which is like you have pure pop, which is like your standard like. It's not going to scare anyone. It's just going to please people. And then that goes into the doldrums, which is like people get bored with that type of pop. And then there's the extremes, which is where people push back against the doldrums by doing brand new things. I think a perfect example of this was Billie Eilish. uh, Mm -hmm. Sure. Being like, I'm a teenage girl covered in spiders. Boo. So I, I (laughs) I think there was a similar thing with indie rock where things were kind of like chipper and cute and then people got bored with that and then people got depressed and then people got happy again. Yeah. And yeah. also, you know, we had the recession and then Obama was like, don't worry about it. Yes. We solved I'm actually not going to do like, yeah. any of that shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Don't worry. Until later. Right now we're party rocking. Right now we're in post-racial America yeah. right. where <laughs> white boys can play African music. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, and that's kind of what the rest of the decade is. It's it's Vampire Weekend. It's Meriwether Post Pavilion. It's um, the beginning of Tune Yard. It is the beginning of the Floor Tom Band. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, yeah. The all, the only drummer is like a guy with three floor toms. Yeah. <laughs> three that's floor toms and some obscure piece of African yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, percussion. Yeah. And then, but all of the drums have like glitter and slime on it, so uh-huh. they. Go, <laughs> which is like the dodos uh local natives kind of Mm -hmm. there's lots of the war paint Mm -hmm. all all kinds of great bands at the end of this decade (laughs) here um yeah but 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 then that happens but that's not the 2000s this is the 2000s and it's the end and so we should probably start talking about the movie because we're Running very long. Sorry. Whoops. No, no. It's well, we love, we love talking about the, the, the trends in the music. Yeah, we got we to gotta do a nice blowout episode. Yeah, we literally for planned for this. Out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's get into our featured presentation. That's and right. Talk, <laughs> and talk about 500. This is something we say now, by yeah. the way. You guys haven't been on the show in a while. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have new things we say. <laughs> Shake it out. Uh, shake it out. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's uh, 500 Days of Summer, directed by Mark Webb. Um, I don't know what Spider-Man else. Amazing Spider Man 2's. Amazing Spider Man 1 and 2, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's related to Gary Webb, but well, I'm going to find out. Um, <laughs> Mark Webb directed this movie, uh, written by uh, Scott Neustrouter and Michael H. Weber. 
starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel and Christina Hendricks' ex-husband and whatever that guy's name is. The guy from Criminal Minds. Uh, that's the one. Yeah. Um, that's the one. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Ar- Arend. Mm, yes. Chloe Grace Moritz is in it as a a two two uh, wise for her age sister of Tom. Um, yeah. You're going to be surprised to hear this. She says curse words sometimes. A couple <laughs> times she says, don't be a pussy. Um, <laughs> they loved doing that to that poor girl. Chloe it was yeah. a Hollywood yeah. obsession. Yeah. Make they her say the apology. worst things. <laughs> they do. They put her in kick ass and all kinds of weird stuff. I guess they would have done that to like if Mary Kate and Ashley had been that age at that time. They would have also been like no family friendly stuff. You're gonna say fucking shit on air. You're gonna say <laughs> slurs <laughs> and you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, instead of saying you got it, dude. She's like suck my dick. <laughs> in, 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 to be in slightly defense of the Hollywood sickos, she she sells it. Uh, okay, she sells it really well. No, like, that's she the thing. Does, yeah. She's she amazing at it. Yeah, they accurately di- diagnosed her talents, set being like, you know what this girl is really good at? Doing swears with a straight face to camera and be and being yeah. and being surprising every single time. And like kind of believable that yes. that's how that girl talks. Yeah. Exactly. So why don't Jeremy take us on a trip of what this movie is about? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so uh, we're telling the story of, of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's uh, failed relationships is Zoe Deschanel. I don't remember either of their names. It doesn't Tom really matter. And Summer. Summer. Oh, her name is Summer, of course. <laughs> That's the easy one. I forgot Tom, to be fair. He is Tom. Okay, whatever. So Tom and Summer, uh, they <laughs> have a relationship. Uh, we open the film learning that it has failed via a narrator. And um, the rest of the movie. Which feels stolen straight from Wes Anderson mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and then kind of abandoned. Kind of like abandoned. It-, it comes back every so often, very rarely. Uh, and um, this is, I believe, I may be mistaken, but I believe this is our first instance of a non-linear narrative in um, in the Tweet Thousands. On this, on this series, absolutely. This yeah. feels like very much like, hey, we saw Memento. Yeah. <laughs> That's big, right? You guys like Memento? That's right. This is a real movie uh-huh. with a non-linear narrative. <laughs> uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't Nick and Norris have something like that in it? Maybe. Where it's like a knight that like jumps around and like what happens? Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen that one. Though we, um, we will put a literal numbering system on to keep to make sure you know at every given moment exactly where you are in it. Oh yeah, gonna, value. Well, I appreciate too that they they call it five hundred days, and it's it's not really uh, apparent what happens at the five hundredth day because their relationship has been over for a long time. He like I guess speaks his mind to her or whatever, but does does he never see her again? Like. Right, I, know I guess that. it's the day he meets Autumn. Yes. Yeah, I think is that's the 500th it. Day. It's the day. That's what's very funny about the 500 days is it's it starts as the day he sees her mm-hmm. and then ends the day he doesn't care about her anymore. So I I never I never it doesn't seen really this. have anything to do with with her. Actually. Yeah, I I'd never seen this before. I assumed it was a 500 day relationship, and I. Uh, was stunned to find out they didn't even date for a fucking year. Are you kidding me? I know. <laughs> get all He's an this. adult. <laughs> I know. It's it's interesting. This is the first time I'm thinking of this because the opposite movie would be what her like 290 days days of Tom. It would yeah. be 30, 30 days of Tom. 
They have yeah. days of Tom times. at a push. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it really does seem like they hook up like a couple times. Yeah. And he spends almost two years crying about it. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, so we follow their relationship. Uh, Zoe Deschanel is new in town. She's the new girl, if you will. And <laughs> I won't. <laughs> and uh, she gets a job as a secretary at the greeting card company that Tom works at writing little greeting cards. Uh, it seems like he's really good at it. Uh, that's part of the story, I guess. He wants to be an architect, but he's just too afraid to push himself or something. I guess. And so uh, he works at the greeting card company instead. Very, very, very Gen Xer sort of a plot device there. Um, having yep. your boring cubicle job that yeah. you hate so goddamn much. It's pretty far <laughs> into the decade to still be doing that shit. I think you guys are right about that. It's very clearly pre-recession yes. writing. Yeah, it's, it's, definitely it's the last time, time anyone time got to be that picky about a job yeah. ever again. Yeah. Um. And, and uh, what what am I missing here? She's so she's like <laughs> not, not much um, to it, honestly. Well, but she's you know her character is she she's like. She's got bangs. <laughs> she does have bangs. You're not going to believe this. She's got bangs. She's got blue eyes. She's the only one allowed to wear the color blue in the entire movie. Uh, <laughs> what a brown movie. She is uh-huh. de- depicted as a literal demon uh, <laughs> with supernatural powers of seduction and drawing the uh, the attention of men. Uh, oh, yeah. They do that whole little backstory of her uh like her liking a band like causes them to chart for the first time and, yeah, and in, in like, her state and like she works at a uh, yeah. like a hot dog stand and they increases hot dog sales like ten thousand percent and and stuff yeah. it's like just by existing she exudes a almost supernatural power over uh over men she has uh, some sort of pheromone that yeah, like attracts exactly. men yeah. to that but then she also uh she's not interested in a relationship and that's going to be very important going forward she she's, doesn't want anything serious she doesn't want anything serious but then lo and behold joseph gordon levitt likes, likes the, the smiths, smiths. <laughs> and uh, that changes everything for her and um it's joseph gordon levitt believes in love and uh he he believes in fate and and soulmates and whatever and so they're kind of an odd couple, if you will. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then they, they date for a long time. The friction that you could imagine from that premise uh, takes place. And uh, then they break up. And then uh, they kind of do a will-they-won't-they they for a little while. And then Summer suddenly marries somebody else. And that's it. That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. A, a lot of it is him sort of, uh, you know, being upset about mm-hmm. her breaking up with him um and you're not it, what's funny is is that the movie jumping back and forth has almost no bearing on anything because yeah. there's not anything really set up and subverted that's usually the yeah, point of it. i thought yes. for sure when his little sister says like i feel like you're just remembering the good times try to remember the bad times and i thought for sure we were going to go back through all this shit and see all these times where she was like shitty to him or he was shitty to her or the relationship wasn't working they don't give us that they, don't they just really keep give showing us, us more cute stuff <laughs> well no like the, we we get one where they're like in the record store and he's like i don't trust anybody who doesn't like whatever band and she's like i don't know that band he's like i put it on the the fucking mixtape for you didn't you listen to it and but she's that's like, like the day they break up isn't it because it ends with him being like let's go get pancakes it, it, you think that they're gonna do a subversion of it oh, but yeah. it is it is just like she 
she's kind of rolling her eyes and looking off to the middle distance like 5% more than she actually is. You know, when she's like, like women do. Yeah, maybe actually, maybe yeah. she had her period or something. Yeah. <laughs> Which they also mentioned in this uh, this movie a couple times. Yeah. They do. Uh, yeah, because you kind of feel the, the whole time, yeah, like that – that there would be a rosy way through forward where you're only seeing through the good parts as it's skipping forward in their relationship where everything is great. And if they really wanted to subvert it, yeah, as you go backwards and see like the negative parts, you like to just really lean into the like kind of inherent vacantness of Deschanel's character and like misogynistic viewpoint of nothing um, on the inside of uh, JGL's uh, protagonist is that she's just being like a huge bitch to him the entire time and he's like oh but you're fucking me right now so I'm still having a good time and then like yeah later when which listen many such cases many such cases <laughs> well uh, that's the thing so so th- what you kind of come away with or like you're sort of thinking while you're watching the movie is like what is the point here like why is this like why is this not a rom-com what are mm-hmm. they trying to say and I feel like they're trying to s- there, there is some level of acknowledgement, right? Like this movie is about being a little bit selfish and self-centered mm-hmm. and sort of realizing as you grow up or you go through this relationship, you go through a breakup that you were selfish and it wasn't all this other person's fault. Mm-hmm. You were kind of being an asshole too. Um, and so that wasn't your, the love of your life. Someone else will be maybe. Yeah. Um, I think the problem I have with this movie is that it never really lets him have it. Like yeah. you're never, he never really feels any guilt or, or responsibility for the shitty things he did. Like you sort of realize that he wasn't paying attention to her. Yeah. Like that's shown, but it's like, what about the fact that you like don't care about her as a human at all? <laughs> yeah. Like, right. or what about actually, the fact that you never, it, that you never acknowledge like he's on a date with a, some redhead or whatever. And mm-hmm. she's like, sounds like she told you explicitly she didn't want a relationship and you didn't give a shit about that. And then he's just like, wow, shut up. And then mm-hmm. like that, that's like the audience is supposed to be like, he's being a dick, mm-hmm. but the movie wants to have it both ways Yeah, where it's like, he is a dick, but don't you remember being that much of a dick? And it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, but I felt bad about it. Or like, you know, there's got to be some level of change. And it never feels like he changes. Yeah. It always wants you on his side somehow, even while it's trying to show you that he's being a dick. I think it's trying to explore a specific time in, you know, sort of like post third wave feminism relationships where women can do whatever the fuck we want. Good for us. Right. But then also like what it's, I think the movie was trying to ask the question, what is a relationship? Why does anyone Mm -hmm. want one? Uh, What does it mean to be Mm -hmm. in a long-term committed partnership? And all we see from this relationship is them going to the movies, going out to the record shop, hanging out giggling in a park. That's like the first fucking two weeks of a relationship there is nothing they don't meet each other's families they don't have any real problems they don't fight about anything other than her kind of being in a bad mood so i thought i I was like i get what they're trying to do with this idea of this amorphous like contemporary concept of like what you know anyone anyone now can do anything that they want everyone has birth control everyone has condoms there's the internet is happening. You could meet someone online if you wanted to. So like, what are we all really doing right. here? And it doesn't answer that question 
all it does is like feel bad for him that he wasn't on the same page as his yeah. not girlfriend, which yes, the the tiny child is right. Don't be a pussy. <laughs> Ask if you're if you are in a relationship or not. Right. And but it's also like it never even grapples with that. Like you're saying, like it's not just that he doesn't say what are we or whatever. It's like he doesn't ask like basic questions. He's like, are you saying that if I fuck somebody else, you won't be mad? Yes. yes. Like, there are yeah. no boundaries. The on- they, only never, basic they never even thing. discuss like, are we, are we exclusive? That's are really we... like the main thing he's talking about. It's not even like, do you want to be with me for the rest of your life? It's right. like, are we even like in a relate? Like, do you expect commitment of any kind from me? Do we yes. call this a thing? What do we do? Yeah, you know, and, like that's and, like and, a yeah. high schoolers level idea of like this conversation. <laughs> yes, it's like the entire role, again. Like Zoe Deschanel's character, she is like such a cipher because it's like all the good times are her being like fifty five percent enthusiastic about him. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. this movie is so zanned out. I yeah. feel like the way everyone is talking is like. <laughs> I'm sorry tonight. I'm just really tired. And, yeah. and like, again, I mentioned this before, but I was just clocking how much of it is like, she'll make like two seconds of eye contact with him. Even when, in the parts where she's supposed to be like, it's supposed to be going good. And she's interested in, she'll make like two seconds yeah. of eye contact with him. And then just start staring off into the middle distance, <laughs> like mid, <laughs> mid sentence. She's which like, I guess is supposed to be like blow up doll. part of like, again, how his perspective is like, Oh, this is going great. And she's like, not actually that interested. So, like, the good part is her being, like, 55% interested in him, and then him being like, this is this is awesome, I'm so great, great, glad this happened, and then her dipping to, like, 45% interested in him, and him being like, I'm gonna murder myself. I'm, go- I'm, going, to- I'm going to take a gun, to- I'm going to kill myself and kill everyone around me. She used to look at me for 2.5 seconds, and now she looks at me for 2.1 seconds, yes. it's over. But yeah, but but yeah, yes. The as you're saying, yeah, the movie wants you to be on his side the entire time, to be like going through this emotional turmoil of him. And I guess that's the point of it to be being like, oh, he just doesn't understand what what's going on here. But it's like there's one time when he tries to have one conversation, and all other time, it's it's like the real argument this thing makes is like because that he keeps making is because I believe that we are in a relationship, we should be in a relationship. And right. I think that there's something interesting there in a way where yeah. it's like if we're doing all these behaviors where it's like we're hanging out all the time, we're fucking, we're like ba- basing we're our plans about it, on each other. Like you give me all these things. There should be some kind of mutual expectation there. But then when she's – but then they have that conversation. She's like, yeah, not really. And, and he's like, well, I'm going to go destroy every plate in my house. <laughs> well, also like that – that scene specifically is immediately following uh, a situation in which, which I, I, I is also sort of this, like, are you allowed to be, how much of a feminist do I have to be as a man? Like scene where this guy just walks up to her and starts hitting on her mm-hmm. yeah. and she's got it under control and she's like, not interested, man. Thanks a lot. And then he like is walking away and is just like making fun of her and him. And then he just like out of nowhere clocks the guy. Yeah. And then he gets, you know, gets in a bar fight. Yeah. Well, Uh, it happens. It happens when the guy shit. Well, first of all, it's when he says boyfriend. That's clearly the, the trigger there, but it's, it's, it's when he shifts his focus away from Zoe and onto Joseph and he, and he's like, all right, well, fuck you then, dude, I'm going to fucking fight. Like the, I, I felt so much... That's the only time in the movie I feel like I really felt sympathy for him and I was mm-hmm. kind of like, this is some bullshit that's happening right now. It's like, 
That was his fight too. That was as much his fight as it was her. Totally. That was he. The 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 drunk guy at the bar absolutely shifted focus onto him. That was one hundred percent within the realm of of things he was allowed to do. Was fuck that guy up. In fact, he was kind of supposed to in that <laughs> yeah. situation. I feel. No, I don't know about fist fighting in a bar at all. So I can't like. <laughs> I don't. I, is that what? Is that you'd feel like? Fuck you! I'm gonna punch you. Yeah. If a, if a guy said some shit like that to me, I would absolutely probably fight. I'm, and I'm, Molly, I'm, I'm a middle aged father, and I would still do it. Still that. <laughs> Molly, would you want me to to punch that guy? How would you feel if I punched that guy in that situation where he had done all that shit to you, said all that like overtly nasty shit, and then turned to me and be being like, "What this?" You so you're what you're married to this pussy? Yeah, I, you know I don't I don't have any emotional problem with it. I don't have a practical problem of like assault charges and you know hospital yeah. visits, but like the just the pure you know masochistic or whatever. <laughs> not not masi- uh What's the word for when men are what men are menly? Machismo. Machismo. The machismo of it. I, I understand. And yes, you are, you are allowed to punch a man in the face if he turns uh, his ire onto <laughs> see, you. See, if, see, I would have assumed that, I, I, you know, the rule here is like you don't ever punch someone unless they like come at you like physically. No, no? you no. just clock a guy for being like, fuck you. If you, I mean, <laughs> if you, it's not just a fuck you. It's not just a fuck you. It's, it's, it's a, it's a distinct disrespect. Sure. That there's no real there's other way disrespect. around it. Like, disrespecting <laughs> my wife. Okay. And look, he can come up and he could talk a bunch of shit to my wife. He could come up and talk a bunch of shit to me personally. But if he disrespects the relationship, <laughs> that if she says that he says that I'm not worthy of her, if he says that I, she's not worthy of me, oh, moron, then we gotta fight. <laughs> but anyway, See, now, I, this is an interesting conversation that the movie has no interest in no having. Interest in that whatsoever. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as they get back, and she's like, "I wish you didn't do that." Yeah, that was you acted stupid. uncool. He doesn't say, "Hey, I'm interested and concerned why you feel that way." Like. I feel like I had every right. They're not interested in a conversation. He's just like, what? Let's yeah, have s- this other conversation about the fact that you won't say I'm your boyfriend. Like, yeah. what? why did we have that scene then? Well, but then what's really frustrating about that scene, and this is kind of talking about the, the movie wanting to have its cake and eat it too, right? Is that they have this whole fight about what they are and whatever. And in relation to this fight and him sticking up for her and whatever. And then he storms out and he goes home and they have their emotional night apart from each other. And then she shows up in the rain in his fucking doorway being like, I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. I, I, I shouldn't yeah, have yeah. said all that stuff. Like, that is, you know, at some stage, like, I understand, like, she has no obligation to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character to give him anything beyond what she gives him. But on the other hand, it's like, you are a person. You know what people feel. You know how people feel about things. If you're showing up in the rain in his doorway being like, I'm sorry. Thank you for sticking up for me, you know. I don't know. I feel like you're sending some mixed fucking signals. There are some mixed signals <laughs> happening here. So that, yeah, that is the, the the thing about this. I'm sure you talked about the the manic pixie dream girl archetype over and over on mm-hmm. this right. series. And of course, Zoe in this movie is one of them. But it is like it is obviously a a problem of the character being constructed solely to elicit change and expectations from the man in it. But also, if somebody behave. I mean, that is the problem with this, this character type is like if somebody behaved like this in your life and you were a real person, you would also be driven insane by what is yeah. going on, what, what, what the, the, the mixed signals that you are getting from, from this person, which is the story point to drive 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character forward. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it is, again, the message of the movie is that women are demons and that you invest, <laughs> they, they solicit all this psychic energy, psychic and emotional and physical energy from you, and then they do whatever they want, and you have no way to control or predict it, predict it at all, and you are left with yeah. the torrent of destruction that they wreak in your, in, in, in your emotional life. But I feel like the, the point of the movie at the end like is at least reaching for the idea that like that's how he's perceiving her mm-hmm. the reality is that she's a complex person yes. with thoughts and feelings yeah uh and he didn't really recognize those things or give a shit about that but uh, yeah it just doesn't really hammer that home at all she it's, still seems like a, a piece of paper it's because yeah. the movie wants us to have our gut drop when we find out that she's engaged too right which it's is like, insane it's, it's they yeah. want yes. we are supposed to be this. joseph gordon levitt like we're supposed to be seeing that and being like wait but she said she didn't want anything serious yeah what <laughs> so we actually yeah we had to pause this movie and do some math at the end and like really go to the number tracker and like track all the numbers because okay again to give the which by, by the way fa- found the only definitive um uh 500 days of summer in order with days tracked on github Ooh. <laughs> oh my god so shout out, shout shout out to whoever GitHub. put that on github but like okay so the, the first beautiful part, the whole part of the movie like her whole like uh, can you do her the impression? Wait, I don't really oh, want to... oh, I'm Zoe Deschanel, and I don't want <laughs> anything serious. But it's, <laughs> but it's like there's no explanation. She's like, well, you don't want, you don't want anything serious. Uh, why? Well, I, I'm just, I'm just not into it right now. I used to date a guy. People I get hurt. Talk. I like to be independent. You see? Yeah, yeah. You know what it is? <laughs> she even says she, this is part of the mixed signal of all this shit. Is that she says her reason for not wanting to get into something serious with somebody is because people's feelings get mixed up in it and then they get hurt and she doesn't want to hurt people and then she just does that okay so then so i believe we tracked this out i might not be like totally right is that so she spent something like 250 days from like the moment they like first january kiss, to november january to november being in this wishy-washy relationship with this guy who's like clearly like in a in a suicidal love with her that she's like <laughs> eh, i'm like 50 50 on this uh, that she doesn't want to commit on because she doesn't want to hurt, th- hurt this guy. Breaks up with him in November. From there, the wedding is the wedding that they both go to is in. Uh, like, so they break up on day two ninety, and then they mm-hmm. see each other Absurd. at the wedding. Oh God, um, four oh eight. So okay, hundred days and change la- later. Three months. Three, three months three, four, after four she months. broke up with this guy, and there was no implication that she was seeing anybody else during this. Three months afterwards, she has met a man, and in between the wedding and one week later at her house party, they've gotten engaged. So three months later, she has, after being terminally noncommittal, met a guy, <laughs> formed a relationship <laughs> enough to be ready to get married, and then invites yes. him to a uh, house party at which either the, the her new fiancé is either not there or... Or she doesn't deign to introduce Tom to her new fiance there as, by the way, I'm getting married and this is the guy. It's right. like the the math portion of it is even if you accept the premise of like, I, the reason I couldn't commit to you is because I just knew my heart wasn't there. And I the reason I knew that my heart wasn't there is because when I met this new man, my heart was there immediately. That timeline is still wild. And 
should leave. But not impossible. Not impossible, but which should not impossible, no. But it should leave time. But it should leave time going. I'm gonna I'm gonna start every every time we need to bother Chris with a with a you know female problems. I'm gonna use my Zoe Deschanel voice. It should hopefully leave Tom going like, oh wait, this this woman is cuckoo, and I should. Yes, that was my takeaway when I saw that. I was like, oh Tom, good good job, dude. You dodged it. She's a nut. Or but the thing is, is like the movie's so poorly written, and like her character so underdeveloped. You could absolutely read this as her just being like, I was fucking this guy and was really open and honest about how I didn't want a relationship with him. And then he would like scream at me and then I just broke up with him. Yeah. And then like, and then I had a normal life after that. You know what? And like, if this movie had any fucking balls at all, if this movie had any, anything to say whatsoever, when they talk at the park and he asks her what the fuck happened, she'd say we weren't exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> it should. That would be a wow. fucking perspective. That, you're so that would right. be a fucking turn. And, well, it, it, so and right. that's it's absolutely <laughs> true. I was fucking him time. the whole time. The whole time, yeah. we never had a discussion. And, ritual, <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then Jake <laughs> And then Jake Gyllenhaal fills his pocket with, with rocks and and walks into that. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, sorry, fuck it. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Whoa. It's the J and the G. Yeah, uh, I understand. I understand. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt <laughs> fills his pockets <laughs> with rocks and just walks into that little municipal fountain and drowns himself. <laughs> yeah, but he'd keep the headphones on listening to the Smith. Yeah. <laughs> please, please, please yeah, let me give what I want. Me to sleep. He puts the gun in his mouth. It's sing me to sleep. It's got to be. <laughs> yeah, you're, I, I, you're so right. But that's what I'm saying is that like I think that it's very possible she was just like yeah I'm fucking a coworker because he's kind of cute and stuff yeah and then he just keeps he's not emotionally mature enough for me to be like I'm not interested in you so she leaves him and then yeah. marries the guy she was dating he's cute I like how he dresses like an adjunct professor <laughs> <laughs> now come on Jason Gordon Levitt is is hot right he's we a all cutie agree he lo- he's an H and M clothes hanger in this movie. <laughs> I mean, the fact that his sort of like makeover moment is that he upgrades from wearing a cardigan with a a button down and tie to like an actual suit. I'm like, wow, that's gross, I guess. With his fucking hair slicked back. What is that about? He turns into Patrick Bateman for some reason. (laughs) You know, architects, those classically slick business guys. You say Patrick Bateman. I would love like like a fantasy sequel to this that is his... His life, he gets the architect firm job. It's like two years later, and he is just like psycho. It's like psychopathically like slaying pussy, just like just like, just like, like fucking people, in the and then being like, "Get fucking... the fuck out of my apartment!" And just like going back out and getting into like, "I'm not looking for anything." Yeah, like, just ritual. Yeah. He's ritualistically just like swiping Tinder, looking for girls with names that have any relation to like yes, a season like... or a month or whatever. Autumn, May, June. <laughs> Her name is Monday. It counts. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's good. Wednesday Adams. Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what he does. That's what Uh, he does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I just the World Trade Center. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. But like, of course, of course, you're not getting any architecture jobs, dude. All you keep doing is inventing a square, tall building. <laughs> you just, Do you just draw a building, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even bother to do like the most minuscule of research on like what does an architect talk like. Yeah. They literally have the moment he starts talking about architecture for real, they close a door in front of it <laughs> 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 just to avoid writing any more than they had to. Yeah. Like yeah. someone having sex in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go out the window. <laughs> they also do that. It's a weirdly sexless movie. The only time they have sex on screen is under a... Uh, in the shower. Is in a shower. You see them behind the curtain, kind of. And they're like, when, they're planning it out like it's a, a play. They're like, all yeah. right, one, two, three, and then they fall over. Uh, uh, th- that's another like re- real... Like cr- cringy because it's like they're just they what they're trying to depict the like cool fun part of the relationship and like one of the like they're being cute in IKEA and they're like hanging out and then like the <laughs> one like fun sexy thing they do is that like she's at a video store and she takes him to the back room instigates renting a porno watching it and then says we should do what they're what's happening in the porno in the shower yeah to be to be like the one part of like sexiness in this movie is being like okay and then of course zoe deschanel will initiate 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 literally pornographic sex with him that you won't see yeah (laughs) yeah you're not allowed and they're not they're not horny in the moments there's there isn't like an ounce of sexuality (laughs) they're they're watching it like it's a regular movie And she's like, we should do that. Wow, this is interesting. Interesting (laughs) development that they're fucking in a shower now. Maybe they had never seen sex before. And they're like, oh, okay. Okay, we should. That's how it works. I think we could do that. Yeah, this movie was written by an incel, very clearly. Yes. Because the movie opens, we've, we We didn't talk about say, this. This is this the is most a, wild part wild. of this thing. And, yes. and it, it completely colors the rest of the movie because you could, yeah. if, that, if this isn't here, you can almost read it as basically like a kid sort of realizing I was an asshole, I was a selfish, you know, sort of misogynistic bitch, and I, uh, I grew up. And like, that's the movie. But like, the, the opening pro what do you call it the the whatever the preamble preamble on black is like this is a movie work of fiction has no relation to anybody living or dead especially not jenny beckman bitch (laughs) (laughs) and it's like calling a woman a bitch that rocks a real 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 person who knows maybe it's no no it's i've looked at oh you did she's a real lady that the screenwriter dated. What? <laughs> it's I not. A, it's even not if a I joke. was, even if I was mad, even if I was like, th- I'd have to be so fucking mad. Like, I, I definitely would have put a fake name there just for because I would have. You have some sort of sense of like self shame or whatever that Jesus you would. Jesus Christ! No, this is a real person who watched like, this movie in the theater and may- was like, "Wait, what the fuck?" <laughs> Maybe you could like wind that back by having when it fades to credits uh be like go do another one that's like you I'm know sorry like, Jenny yeah, yeah. Basically that, that's like, like this film it. this film is dedicated to all the hurt women out there especially you Jenny and <laughs> I treated you wrong or something you know something yeah. like that that yeah. like makes yeah, it yeah. like a cute foil that that mirrors the arc of of the film or something but the fact that yeah it starts with him 
the screenwriter calling his literal ex-girlfriend a bitch <laughs> really gives you what you need to take away, what this movie wants you to take away. Again, and, right. that women are demons and that men give them everything <laughs> that they want or that they, they could possibly and have in their souls and hearts. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And then they go marry some fucking asshole you never meet. Some jabroni. You never even see his face. Yeah. Probably has a bigger dick than you. Probably, Probably. does. That's a I thing mean, for her. Also, opening, opening with that statement, and then the first time we meet Summer, she is an employee at the same place that this guy and his friend work at. And the idea that she might not give them the time of day beyond her perfunctory role in a corporation, she is called a super skank. Yeah. God forbid just, the secretary doesn't want she doesn't even work for you. If the secretary is going to fuck anybody, as we've watched <laughs> Mad Men, you fuck your boss. It's Hello? the boss. Yeah. Because you want to have Clark a better Greg. job. Yeah. This guy this guy in the fucking H and M cardigan cannot advance your career. You're just fucking him for charity. Yeah. <laughs> for fun. She does she doesn't want it, man. So let's talk about it in the context so of of the Twee Thousands. Yeah. It 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 it, it is what does it have? It has the sad guy money shot, kind of, but the movie isn't directed very well. Yeah, it doesn't have a real identity. Very yeah, so I was gonna say this is this is an interesting one because it is not stylish almost ever. There's not a lot of cool stuff until like the very very end. Well, it has needle drops and it has the the twee drawing interstitial mm-hmm. titles but besides that it looks like a made-for-tv movie i would yeah. argue the like, expectations versus reality segment is the closest i can think of anything iconic yes. about this movie in a, yeah. in the twee context uh, so that's what i was he, that's what i was referring to as the the cool part yeah uh, towards the end yes. otherwise it looks like it i was when i looked that the guy directed amazing spider-man i was like this looks like amazing spider-man yeah <laughs> <laughs> shout out uh is after they first sleep together and he has the uh musical number dance song that is very fun sent to uh set to make make my dreams by hollow notes because even now watching it uh and remembering the first time that you uh uh sleep with a paramour it do be like that <laughs> it do be like that and i would also argue that like basic white boy uh, gets a little bit corked up to a musical number, basically invented <laughs> Bo Burnham. So <laughs> it's, got, it's got a lot to answer for in that category. <laughs> That's very true. Very yeah. true. <laughs> it might have um, invented YouTube in general. <laughs> Just I mean, had the little Disney I'm, bird on his shoulder. Yeah. No, I was reading in the Wikipedia that that is the only scene in which anyone else wears the color blue. And that was a decision by the costume designer because... That's the moment after they fuck for the first time and he's like the entire world is reflected her mm. and she's the only one. So it's like they have little like ideas, but like the director just doesn't know what he's doing. What is blue? Like, well, because wh- she's got blue eyes and so she's the only one who wears blue. Like her whole apartment is blue. Yeah, but she's... No, it's not very deep or anything. I'm just saying they tried a little to have some visual consistency. It's like the yeah. least summer color there is. Yeah, the but you don't think blue. of blue as a summer color? No, it's a cold color. I guess that's true. She should be wearing yellow all the time. That's true, but her eyes can't be yellow. <laughs> that's fine. She, you don't have to match your eyes to your clothes. She's a demon with yellow eyes. Or blue. Yes, maybe she does have yellow eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, so the movie doesn't look very good. It's a very drab-looking movie, which mm-hmm. we like we mentioned before. Um, it, but it does try to, like... It's just, it, you know, I feel like this is the perfect ending for the Twee Thousands because these sort of 
things that we've been talking about for the past two months like are here but like uh perfunctorily and like yeah, obligatory like where it's just yeah. like where it's just like we had to do this because this is how you make an indie movie. You yeah. have the sketchy drawings, you've got the needle drops, mm-hmm. you've got a sad guy, you've got the Manny Pixie Dream Girl. You've got the like overt conversation about important music. You, you have know, the, her uh, literally just saying the Smiths. Yeah, I also <laughs> like the Smiths. But the first thing she says is just the Smiths. And the classic implication that. Uh, if if you listen to the right kind of cool music, then you deserve the attraction of beautiful women. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. It's weird because it has, it, it, it's so often lampooning those things. Like the little girl is like, just because she's into the same weird shit you are, doesn't mean she's going to like you or she's yeah. your, and, and she's correct. Like all of the time. So it, it just really doesn't know where it's coming from. Like it's, it does seem like an incel misogynist movie directed by someone who's trying to make it not that yeah i don't know i guess it's it just feels like it's fighting with itself all the, t- the time yeah yeah this um, movie makes so my sk- it- skin crawl it's it, i just <laughs> i really don't i really don't like it yeah it's probably it might be my least favorite of the ones that we've watched <sighs> it's between this and elizabeth town elizabeth town is fucking insane and i I, I almost like that more because of how bizarre it is. Yeah. And and you can kind of read There's more laughs. I feel like there's more laughs in Elizabethtown than in well, this. Wait, did, did, anybody, your... did it get a laugh out of anybody? There was like a moment or two where I feel like we had a, a chuckle. I mean, I was obviously laughing at it a few times. I'm trying to remember. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Uh. Uh. I can't recall actually. I think I, I think I had like a bit of a like chuckleish smile uh, when they did the big dance number after he mm-hmm. he has sex. Right, that's enjoyable. that's kind of funny. Um, there's a couple of things that are set up to be jokes that don't really land. Like the anal girl thing didn't really that's didn't not really very hit. Funny. Well, because uh, it's so insane. It's like they called you you had anal sex, girl. Oh no, it's something else. <laughs> okay, I guess. Uh, yeah, there's not. A, there's a lot of like it's it's for this genre. It's pretty raunchy. Like it feels like it's more the humor is more like on the not raunchy, but like yeah, I was gonna say it's like humor. The, yeah, it's 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 raunchy humor, but not raunchy like subject matter. Because again, mm. they don't fuck. Right. There's no sex in this. That's movie. right. But it feels like it. it, it, it you it, see the outline of a man's penis once. It almost <laughs> has like a disease of like Judd Apatow, where it's mm. like the guys are supposed to be like we're stupid guys. We're mm. like it's like a you know what it feels like. It feels like Friends. Like the movie, the movie feels like the show Friends. Well, you know, yeah. I, I was watching this, and I have no idea what order it was, but I was watching this, being like, imagining, what is that chick's name, Meriwether Elizabeth or something? Was it Mary Elizabeth Winstead? No, the person who created New Girl. <laughs> oh, I don't. Phoebe Bridge Waller Bridge. Oh, no, <laughs> Elizabeth. It might be Elizabeth Meriwether or something like that. Because I'm imagining watching this and being like. Looking at Zooey Deschanel just like slogging through this thankless role and, and just being like <laughs> looking at all the trappings, looking at living in a big ass loft in downtown LA, looking at these three like supposedly raunchy guy, dipshit guys, and one of them is supposed to be like kind of cute and Zooey Deschanel and just be, like look, watching this being like, wonder if any of this was like 10% fun. 
and then being like, oh, idea. I should create the sh- the program New Girl. That's a good starring point. Starring yeah. Chanel <laughs> immediately yeah. after this. Yeah. Is she good on that? That show's good. She's adorable. But is Zoe Deschanel good in it? Yeah. Zoe Deschanel is not good ever. Because that's what I was she's thinking the, is the other thing I was thinking about this is she's, she's so bad in this movie and she's so bad in Almost Famous. She's really bad. I'm not sure if she can act. She can't act. I think New Girl is a totally acceptable uh, television Mm -hmm. comedy. It's fine. It it, like it is a a solid B to B plus uh, almost every episode. (laughs) Okay. Which which for a a TV comedy that has that ran for like ten ten seasons or whatever, yeah, yeah, like yeah, hit that B B plus average every time. You're doing great. I don't disagree with that, but I still think Zoe Deschanel is a just not good at acting and didn't ever really seem to want to do it and was sort of maybe forced <laughs> like, into it. But she was like, oh, but I look like this. Well, I know, but what else am I going to do? But like, but like her, but that's what I mean. Is like her parents are actors. Her sister's an actor. Like the, her, she was just like had nepotism. Oh, they were yeah, like, do I you want to act? It. And she's like, I'll give it a shot. And so like every fucking nerd guy was like i want to fuck this person so bad i'm gonna put her in my movie i think that's way more about why she is in movies than her like passion for acting i always forget mm. that her sister is bones her sister is bones her sister is bones the show bones yeah i know <laughs> I, I i hate to direct another ver- person's podcast but I, I know this is your last episode and i don't know if you're doing a wrap-up episode, but I would love to hear your, before we sign off, which we, we have to do because we do have a reservation at TomTom sometime oh my uh, God. Uh, some, uh, yeah. in, in a little bit. But what are your rankings of the movies? Ooh. Well, I think probably the best one... I mean, it's got to be Royal Tenenbaums. It's got to be the best one. for sure. But, yeah. that's, but we're calling that a, pre, a pre-2000s a movie. A proto-2000s. Mm. So t- taking those off the table, just doing the solidly 2000s ones. Wait, you're saying... You're saying taking, taking, starting with Lost in Translation or no? No, no, not even Lost in Translation. Okay, so Garden State, Huckabees, Elizabethtown, Little Miss Sunshine, Juno, and 500 Days of Summer. It's got to be Little Miss Sunshine. It's got to be number one. No probably. way. It's Huckabees for me. Yeah. <laughs> Huckabees rules. I think it's. I think it's they're a close good. one and two, but I think Little Miss Sunshine kind of edges it out based on the performances. Yeah, that's good. For I mean, the, the acting is great in Little Miss Sunshine. I think it doesn't, it's still sort of just a sort of bland movie mm-hmm. on it, it, you know, it doesn't reach very high highs for me, but I, 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 I like it too. I mean, we gave it a, a, a recommend, so yeah. I'd recommend both of those. Juno, I'm still pretty negative on. I'm a little warmer than you are. He's on a it. little warmer, mm-hmm. uh, but I would say I'd probably put Garden State. Garden State pretty low, not the bottom. Yeah, uh, and then it's it's between this and Elizabethtown for the bottom yeah. for me. <laughs> um, Lost translation is, I think, is maybe the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Worse than this, dude. I fucking hate Lost in Come Translation. Come on, <laughs> that movie sucks. I mean, it does suck. I don't like it, but not worse than this. <laughs> it's like what? There's nothing redeemable about it. Like it's just racism and boring. Yeah. When's the last time you guys watched <laughs> Lost in Translation? <laughs> oh man, I oh, I have not seen it probably since it came out. I saw it maybe last year or something. When you watch Lost in Translation? On a plane? <laughs> I, don't know, I think, yeah, I I'd recommend, think it was on a plane. I'd recommend giving it a revisit with the idea in mind that it is the revenants where the snow is Japanese people. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's how it is. That's uh, what the movie is. The anyway, would you guys... 
Oh, what's that? Oh, sorry. I, 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 I'm trying to be conscious of your, your reservation. I was going to ask if you guys are, uh, would, would uh, recommend this movie, uh, 500 Days of Summer. <sighs> I, it's unless you're doing like doing a podcast on it, it's not worth. Visiting. <laughs> it's a, okay, so that unless most, you're in this specific situation. Unless you're on this podcast no. right now, no. <laughs> I, th- I mean, it's definitely a time capsule of a certain. I think. I think maybe it would be I, for Gen Z, for example, sh- maybe should watch this to be like to it understand to how like far we've come. I think in some general social attitudes toward. Mm. Women in particular, yeah. Yeah, even men too. It, it's like a it time capsule thing. Bas- and it's weird because I feel like I feel like it got worse because like in the 80s like if you watch Harry Met Sally like that's not a misogynist movie no like it, it, it likes women and it's it's just a it's a cute movie about two people who like each other but have these like sort of hang-ups yeah, yeah it's definitely it. not women or demons right and or, or, it, or just I like, feel like completely blank vessels for male attention yeah. yeah, and I feel like the '90s, the end of the '90s into the 2000s, there was just this hot hatred streak that was happening in yeah. culture, where it was just like these bitches just yeah. do not know their place. Yeah, you know what I thought of that I forgot to mention is an interesting sort of like uh, couplet for this movie is um, "Chasing Amy." Which is a great. Yeah. This is a great movie, but it's a very similar thematic thing of like of like men's assumptions and men's entitlement around right. women and what women mean to them, and how that's like you know a decade before this by a much you know less renowned filmmaker who's kind of <laughs> known for being quite a bit more crass and. Mm. It has still... so much more to say that's yes. way more respectful of women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Those first three Kevin Smith movies are surprisingly thoughtful and, tr- and trenchant. Yeah, bangers. Yeah. I uh, like Dogma, too. Oh, yeah. Dogma's, Dogma's also great. It's just that he just he got stuck somewhere. He, uh, Yeah. yeah like he, after he Dogma, gave... It's Jersey Girl. Jersey it's Jersey Girl, Girl, Girl is where and he... Because everybody like, rejected gonna, it so yeah. badly. <laughs> Which is such a shame because it's such an okay movie. He was, yeah. he was really trying something. Uh, yeah, but oh well. I always have a soft spot for Smith. Me too. So uh, I will. Uh, I will also not recommend this movie. Yeah, uh, I think it is a. It, it's just not even well made or enjoyable. The needle drops suck. The it's not really fun to even hear any of these songs. You don't uh, like Regina Specter? I love Regina Specter, kind of, but like she, <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> I don't know. It's playing, and you're like, Smith, it stop. <laughs> I don't Blood mind baby. her, but she's uh yeah, it just doesn't it's not like wow, beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's it the the needle drops are bad, the 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 movie's bad. It's a bad movie. Yeah. It's also a, it's, one full of the, of, it's full of hate. One of the worst portrayals of karaoke as a concept oh, yes. that I've ever seen. Yeah. I just wanted to stick that in there of just like this this movie I don't think anyone who worked on this movie has done karaoke. <laughs> you, the way you can tell the same way that you said earlier, uh that he starts talking about architecture and the doors close. You can tell that nobody actually <laughs> knows or enjoys karaoke because they describe the karaoke party they're going to as an all-you-can-karaoke night, which is oh, like... Oh, yeah, like you have to pay or something? <laughs> or, or, yeah, you pay $5 and you can sing as... Like, it doesn't... You, nobody it who's doesn't done karaoke has ever gone to a place that has advertised 
all you can carry. That's not a thing. It's, it's a, not a concept. This movie There's is, no a la carte karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is written by incel like Hikiko Mori's. Like they, also, nobody's never engaging been outside. with the karaoke, which is very weird. Like Everybody is at their seat like <laughs> watching <laughs> karaoke from afar. Yeah, and, it's like, a show. Yeah, nobody's yeah. <laughs> like up front singing along or anything. Yeah. That's not fucking karaoke. No. Yeah. Not my karaoke. Not my karaoke. Not my problem. All right. I thank you guys so much for coming on the show, Chris and Molly. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Um, I produce a podcast called Chapo Trap House. We were going on tour. Uh, when is this coming out? Monday? Monday. Yeah. Uh, you can see us October 1st uh, at in Chicago. Uh, hey. The Vic Theater, October 1st. Uh, you can the see Windy it City. Los Angeles, October 8th at the Theater of the East Hotel in New York, October 14th at Town Hall Theater and Fort Lauderdale, Florida Revolution on October 30th. All dates and ticket links are at slash live. Also, for all you deep uh, Chris Wade heads, uh, <laughs> heads uh, I will be having a new history series about the Thirty Years' War coming out with Matt sometime, I believe, in November. Uh, that series will be called Hell on Earth. Hell uh, you on can Earth. find that at the Chapo Patreon, patreon.com slash Chapo Trap House. Molly, do you want to plug our stuff? Yes, we have a podcast called And Introducing, a podcast about words about music. You can find it wherever podcasts are found. Um, we just did an episode on Flea that I think Flea. was really fun. Flea from nice. Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then, I love that guy. Yeah, he's, he's, great. he's great. I stand actually now. I'm a Flea. Very <laughs> photogenic penis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking at it. In the in the in the video from uh, Woodstock '99 when they're doing uh, uh, "Stand Next to Your Fire," uh, he's naked and his penis looks incredible. Pops. Which I'm sorry, it that's really actually, pops. It looks good. Skill. I would say most most penises are not photogenic. So good no. job, Lee. Um, so Especially not like on a moment's notice, stripped at a music festival. Right, you need at least half a day to like fully prepare to fly. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we have and introducing, and then we also have a podcast where I am reading Chris the entirety of the book Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. It's called Infinite Cast. If you Google Infinite Cast, it shows you the IMDb of the cast for the movie Infinite. So I would recommend Googling <laughs> Infinite Cast Podcast, and you will find Infinite it. Cast Podcast. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, great. Thanks, guys, so much for coming on. Enjoy Thank your you. reservations at Dorcia. Yes. Um, yes. Oh God, I wish. <laughs> uh, but until next time, that has been the Twee Thousands. It's been a great time doing this Twee Thousands. I'm having. I am so sad that it's over. Uh, next week we'll be back with Halloween times. Yep. We're going spooky mode. Woo. Uh, it's it's the uh, well, we're, we're recording on the autumnal equinox. So you know, happy that for everybody. Uh, otherwise. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Generation Lost. If you'd like to hear more of our show, you can go to patreon.com slash generation lost to hear a bonus episode every week where we talk about the movie news, uh, letters from listeners. We rank all the movies we've ever done. It's a fun time. Hang out in the Discord with us. Follow us on Twitter at GenLostPod. Follow us individually from there, and we will see you next time. And until next time, that's, that's movies. movies. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing we say now. That's wonderful. <laughs> Crucified for no sins Remember
Left to my misery 